and do in us and with us through your holy word. We bless you, we praise you, and we honor you. We love you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for making us heirs of salvation. It's a wonderful thing to have an inheritance, a real one. And we honor you and love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen and amen again. So, praise God. Amen. So, uh, we're going to talk today about the word of God over your life. Amen. The word of God over your life, which I did steal some from Prophet Waller. (laughs) I said, oh, that's pretty good. But, uh, you know, we all, hey, it's God's word. And we're his heirs. So that was my inheritance right up in there on time. So anyway, praise God. But uh, um, I I just always find it it interesting how people really, uh, I guess, don't understand the process of what we call getting an answer to prayer or getting a blessing or something like that. Um, There is a process of life in God that kind of consumes us and is very, very essential for our well-being. I think the most important thing I can say that now is not so much um, answers and the things that God can bless us with, you know, the blessing. We always want that. But I think the relationship has a lot, there's a lot to be said for the relationship with God in that. And so if you think about God's word that comes to you, uh, that word has power in it to do many, many things. For instance, if God tells you that he's going to bless you with a home, uh, that word of blessing has power in it that it has to be received in faith. Uh, by faith in you and then that word tends to do a work in you that leads you to the promise that helps you and prepares you for the promise and so we all want to be led to in fact we prefer not to be led we just want FedEx to drop it right in and keep it moving you know and uh, so but but it's not like that so everything that we receive from God comes by way of inheritance inheritance is on a time schedule and I know people don't like to think that about the things of God but they are on a time schedule many of them now some of these things are so freely given that they're given already say for instance your salvation that's a done deal your health and healing is a done deal there are certain things though that take the laws of, of sowing and reaping and laws of faith to be in operation full force in order for you to receive those. So while you have a, 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 a kind of like an instant with God, there's also a long term or a time. Some things are on a timer. Things in God are set in your life to be released on kingdom time, not on personal time. And so I think we always have to keep that in, in mind that, that God has a big picture that you are sitting in the middle of and he must orchestrate your life to fit into the big picture. For instance, there are so many timing issues, I mean things, examples in the Bible. For instance, Hannah, who was barren and she prayed for a son 
And and so Samuel came at the time when the priesthood was in the dumps. Amen. So there were backslidden people in the priesthood and and shot times of um I guess you could say dire need or times of crisis, if you could call it that, among God's people. And so if you, if God needs somebody in this earth to do something for him at a crucial time, he may delay something to you or he may accelerate something in your life. Sometimes he finds vessels that he feels he can use and he'll put your life on hold for a season. You know, and you're screaming your eyes out and can't understand why it ain't here yet. And I, I'll get it tonight. I'm going to quit. Quit what? You ain't doing nothing. Quit your nothingness. Amen. And, you know, we throw our little tantrums and see if God's moved. And he's not moved. Because he knows that whatever you think you're lacking because you ain't got it yet. Your happiness, your joy, your, he'll multiply that and bring it back to you. So he ain't worried about you missing out on anything. But there's so many more. you got to realize you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. You're not just here and, you know, snarfing up goodies and, and trying to get as much as you can as quick as you can. But you are a citizen of a kingdom and you are royalty. And royalty don't crab, don't complain, don't. You know, because they know they got everything already. What's to complain about, huh? Life is good. And so this is way, the way God wants us to perceive our life in here. You know, when, when Jesus was talking about take no thought for what you're going to eat, drink, and wear, he said the heathen do that. You're not that anymore. Amen. You have been redeemed. You're born again into a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It's an eternal kingdom, and it's a kingdom where there is good going on at all times. And so he wants us to learn how to live in that kingdom, acclimate ourselves to the life of good, and perceive good in every area of our lives at all times. There is no lack anywhere in your life because of where your citizenship is. Huh? You don't see Americans traipsing off to Mexico trying to break their way in that border. No, over here life is good. You understand what I'm saying? So this is the way we need hello. We need to feel about God's kingdom. Over here life is good. In fact, it's very good. Huh? Now you don't need to smuggle me in nowhere. Amen. You know, the devil, sometimes the devil used to tell me stuff like, well, what kind of Christian are you? Look at that. You done said this and said that and gave it. And I said, you know what, devil? I don't care how lousy I am in the kingdom. I'm not coming back over there and serve you no more. You understand me? We can go in there. We got a lock on that idea. So they might get lean and mean over in here, but I'm staying. You got me? Amen. Amen. So life is good in God's kingdom all the time. There's no reason to fret and be upset and you have your mouth poked out, people scared to talk to you, you know. You're a little porcupine Christian coming into church and there's a prickly, little prickly person. People don't know how to hug you or, you know. Keep the quills, keep the quills. And then I hear them little things. Now, don't they throw them things at people when they get mad? They just, you know, haul off and start, you get, you get stuck, like, you know, woo, hello. So, yeah, we don't, we don't have no prickly people in the kingdom. It's all smooth over in here, amen. 
And so learn how to live accordingly. That's what God wants us to do. But, but, you know, your, your prickliness can come out when you're upset, angry, frustrated, don't understand the system, all that kind of stuff, didn't know you was God. I didn't know if all this involved. What do you think is involved? He took your sin, you little dirty thing, you. Huh? All this was involved, like you brought something to the table. What'd you bring? Your foul mouth? You're stealing, lying, cheating, smoking, though, sleeping around. Huh? But you're not that anymore. So let's get some manners around here. Everybody asks me. I shouldn't talk about my little Facebook friends. Everybody's queen this and queen. I'll tell you what I say. How do we get all this royalty all of a sudden? Listen, you can say that all you want to, but if you don't have it in here, it's no good to you. Amen. you got to live that kind of stuff out. you got to live like you're somebody. And you can only do that through relationship with the king. Amen. It's the king that makes the queen who she is. No queen out here. I'll buy. I got no enough of them type. Hmm? <laughs> Yep. So you know we got all kind of people running around here, but but the, it, it, it's really the essence of your life in the kingdom depends on your relationship to the king. It really does. You have to relate to God in a real way in order to take on His identity and let let yourself be who He wants you to be. And and that's a big part of us receiving the promises of God. There has to be a transformation. You gotta think differently about things. You gotta you gotta think like God thinks. You gotta think about your life in terms of being you're involved in a bigger picture, you know, and, and understand that there is a kingdom here that just like yesterday, everybody felt good about what they were doing, ministering to people, right? Because you were in the role that you were created to be from the foundation of the earth. And see, nothing can satisfy you like being obedient to God and seeing what God's approval feels like. And I think that's really what was driving everything yesterday. It was God's approval. It wasn't like I'm being a good boy, a good girl, and I can pray so good, and I can do this, and I can go out and tackle more people on the street than anybody else. But there was the approval of God that permeates that whole place, that you knew you were in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Amen? Like your whole week might have been screwed up, but yesterday you were in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Amen? And so you got God's approval. Huh? You got God's approval. And so we have to live in the realm of God's approval in all areas of our lives, you know. I know sometimes preachers get to be anointing junkies. We don't care what we do as long as we can feel the presence of God. And, and that's why you see so many of them trying to get to this meeting and that meeting. You gotta preach here, preach there, preach everywhere and do all this stuff, programs and all that. But I just like chilling and being where God wants me to be. And learn how to experience him in different areas of life. You know, like doing the dishes. You can, <laughs> I don't want to do no dishes. I might have a shoe thrown at me for that. But, you know, I mean, 
just invite him in to anything that you do. You know, just invite his presence in to whatever you do. Or don't do no dishes. I don't care. Eat out McDonald's bags. But you know what I'm saying? I'll just get him in there. You know, get him in there. Maybe you get embarrassed about McDonald's and say, well, Jesus, why don't we have a, a I'm going to cook a meal. <laughs> He'd probably say, I'll be absent. <laughs> I'll be absent. Got a date. <laughs> no. But you know what I'm saying. You can invite, invite the Holy Spirit in to the things that you do in life. And know what that's like to have him as your constant companion. I tell you, you have more, less griping. Less loneliness, you know, you you know, all that kind of stuff. It, it will, it will dissipate because you will have him as your best friend. Put him in there first and let him uh, develop a relationship with God where you're comfortable with him and comfortable with who you are in Christ. And it, it's really a treasure. It's something well worth worth the effort and well worth waiting for and it'll take some of the edge off of the time time uh, restraint things and the time regulated things so the word of god over your life <clears throat> is a time sensitive word it's always time sensitive there are two phases to time the first phase is testing So there's a testing phase in your promise. And the second phase is the blessing. You notice that ain't switch, right? Yeah, so there's a testing phase and a blessing phase. We are tested to become vessels of honor. Let me see. Oh, I skipped my scripture. Let me go back a little bit. I'm sorry. All right, so uh, Psalm 105. 19. Who is that back there talking to me? You want to preach? <laughs> 105. This, this talks about the history of the nation of Israel, different, different ones, and they're talking about Joseph here. It says, um, in verse 16, moreover, he called for a famine upon the land. He broke the whole staff of bread. Now, the famine was judgment upon Egypt because of their, they served other gods. They didn't serve the real living God. And, and when that happens, you're, whatever you're doing dries up. So you'll experience judgment in that form. It's more of a warning. And allowing people to fall on their face, seek God, and so that God can turn it around. And it says, <clears throat> He broke the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before them. He sent a man before them. Even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. And so in other words, he was in a kind of prison that was a show. It ain't like the stuff they, the stuff they do nowadays. That's summer camp compared to what the, the average Uh, prison prison was back in the day they had chains on his ankles it says they hurt his feet with fetters and with chains on his ankle one translation says he wore a collar uh, around his neck so that he could be restrained at night so it's it's hard to imagine that type of life um, 
And when you compare it with what we have as Christians, I mean, we, we, you can't, your life can't touch that. I don't care how difficult it is. After you come to know God, He spares us so much difficulty. So mostly what we have is a similar restraint. So the, the fact that there were chains and irons are symbolic because it's talking about in your Christian life, you are restrained to a certain degree. There's certain things that you can't do. There's certain things that you're not allowed to do. Uh, we live in a life of rules, and I think that's why uh, many people don't like, they, they shy away from Christianity. They look at the don'ts, and they don't look at the benefits. And so, but we still have don'ts. There's certain things I do not do. You got me? Uh, certain things I cannot do. Uh, certain things that I'm restrained in my own life from doing. It's not like God's threatening me. If you do this, I'm going to do that. But I do it at what risk? See what I'm saying? If there are certain things that you've got to understand, you cross certain lines and certain boundaries, uh, you risk losing a lot in God. You, you don't even want to imagine what it is that you would lose you know for ministers you know they sometimes ministers cross a line and they think because they can still get up and they're anointed and they preach that it's okay you know see that's the dumbest thing you can ever think amen because the anointing is for service you know it's, it has nothing to do with your character or anything like that you know God will anoint anybody to speak for him or, or whatever so and I'm not saying it's cheap by any means but that's the permission of God to serve others is the anointing it's, it has nothing to do with good boy bad girl whatever like that you know God doesn't want to disappoint people who are sitting out there waiting for a word for him and so we, we can't see the best thing to do is stay in your box like Joseph had to stay in his until it was time and it says here he says whose feet they hurt with fetters he was laid in iron until the time that his word came and you should put two pass in there so until the time that Joseph's word that was over his life from when he was a, a teenage boy until that word came to pass that same word, that promise that looked so good and, and was all that and he was going to be this and be that, it tried him. So that word is working in you to try you. What is it doing? What is, what's the trial all about? Well, if, if Joseph's promise was that, it apparently looks like he was going to rule over his family. That much he did know. And it had wheat in the the uh, they were sheaves of wheat in that that uh, dream that he had. So there's an element of what it's about in there too. So it had to do with the famine and supplying to them. And so when when the dream comes to pass, we see Joseph having gone through so many different things that his attitude about the way he interprets the dream when it really comes to pass, totally different from when he first got that dream. Because when he first got the dream, he received it because he wasn't mature enough to receive it in his spirit. He received it in his flesh. So he went around and bragged about it, made his brothers sick and tired. Well, they didn't like him to start out with because his father favored him. And the father and the mother hadn't had children forever. God's plan. 
you got me. And so when when they came into to his his uh, uh, her childbearing years, she had Joseph and then Benjamin. I think she passed away when Benjamin was born, did she? And so the father clung to these children because their mother was dead now. You got me? And so it's just a typical emotional reaction, human reaction to loss, tragedy, waiting for a long time. You know, if you have to wait a long time for something, you might cling to it when you get it. You understand what I'm saying? It just don't fault people for being people. And so when he, this this is a dynamic in the family. And so the father begins to honor Joseph as the firstborn from his mom. And he makes him a coat of many colors. And none of the brothers had one. And so Joseph would go around, you know, strutting around in his little coat and all that kind of stuff. And the brothers hated him and, and you know... It, Ten against two or ten against one, you know, it's kind of rough. And they're all older than you are? I mean, you mincemeat already. And so Joseph had was given certain blessings and favors by his dad. All of these things made the brothers very jealous. It, but it was a setup by God to get him where he wanted him to be. See, God uses people to get us where we need to be. And it ain't always friendly. Uh, it ain't always nice. It ain't always purdy. Amen. Purdy will come later. But, you know, he wants us to get where we need to be. And so God will allow these things. He could have stopped Joseph at any point. Could have stopped the dad at any point. Don't, don't you know, favor this kid so much. Notice the brothers over here getting angry, all that kind of stuff. But he didn't do it that way. He just let it play out. And how many of you know that God is bigger than anybody's sin, anybody's what wrong that they can do to you, anybody's, and all of that. He'll let it play out because he knows your ladder is going to be better than what's going on. He's a redemptive God. He's a God that makes up for everything. He keeps up with everything. He's not going to let you leave this earth with him owing you anything in life. You're going to get everything you got going, coming, um, coming, going to, uh, coming, what? Coming to you. <laughs> Amen. You're going to get it. And he's going to see to it. So he pays his bills. He's not short on anything on anybody. And so God knows when you're going through it, how you're going to come out on the other side. He knows the end. He knows it at the beginning. And so at the beginning, he can see what's going to happen. And then he can allow this to happen for your benefit, his glory, kingdom advancement. See, if he just let you have an easy life, you'd have an easy life. But would he get all of the things out of it that he needs to get, he intends to get out? We're here for a purpose, folks. Um, Tap into that. Tap into understanding what God means. Talk to him about it. I don't want you to go rent 15 purpose books, okay, and get everybody's tapes on purpose. You find, you know what you're here for. You know what he calls you. You know your role. So talk to him about what he's going to do in your life and how he's going to work that out. And so uh, he put Joseph in that position. He allowed this uh, anger by the brothers to play out. You know the story. They threw him in a pit. Uh, and then he winds up in another pit. He, you know, this life was a pit off and on for him. He had enough places in his life where he was honored not to get 
totally discouraged and quit. So when people all slap happy about you and all that, it ain't going to last. Come on, y'all. Wake up. It's going to last long. Let me put it this way. It's not going to last long enough to get to take your head off and get you carried away in the flesh. It's not going to last that long. It will last long enough to encourage you. Amen. So you don't feel like a slug every day and, you know, life sucks and, you know, everybody, you know what I'm saying. Uh, it, it's, it's not going to be like that for you. You'll have enough bright little things in your life that will happen so that, uh, um, you know, you can stay encouraged. And God knows how to encourage you, you know. I was, when we were, <laughs> we were with, with, I won't name the name of the church, but you all don't know what it was, but, um, God had, given me ability to do some things and I used to uh, do a lot of calligraphy and I had um, uh, asked the pastor I said well I said you know um, there's some things I I was writing out I said you know can I help with some of the things you know like signs and things that they would need for different events he had oh yeah 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 I'd love that I'd love that I showed him some samples of what I had and so I gave him and you know the the deacons demons Deaconesses, all them other people, the preaching deacons, and all them other made-up titles, you know, hated my guts. You know what I'm saying? And so I had made these things, and one day I saw them. They were like thrown in the trash somewhere. And I knew the devil was trying to crush me with it, and so I didn't say anything to anybody. I sucked it up. And I went and sat, they had a, um, you know, an entryway, and I went and sat there, and this little girl that was as tall as I was sitting came and kissed me on and she said, hi, pretty lady. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Uh, that was God telling me, he says, don't let this get you. Amen. Not everybody hates you. <laughs> so if he has to use a little kid to help you out. You understand? He'll do what he needs to do to keep you together, you know. He knows when we're falling apart, but for real though, you know. And he'll move and he'll do something that will keep you intact, keep your, your head from blowing off, keep you from shooting somebody, and, uh, leaving prematurely, all of that stuff, abandoning what he's given you. So, and, and lo and behold, I had, had more <laughs> punishment to come. <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? It didn't get much better. So, you know, not coming from people. But but we're the, we're the workmanship of God. We are crafted and forged in his fire. And so this is, this is life. So, Joseph, everybody wants the palace, but we don't want the, not just the pit, but all the pits that lead up to it. When you can't get out and you don't know if you're getting out and when you're getting out. Amen? And so these things are real, folks. This is real Christian life. See, people think, well, that just happens to some people. Uh, how is your life? Do people on your job love you? You might as well be yourself. Because you ought to be tired of song and dancing your way into trying to make everybody like me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Because they're assigned to dislike you. They're assigned to hate you. So you don't get comfortable in the world. Not, that's not just ain't your home. You're just passing through. 
Amen. Second Corinthians four seven tells us who we are. Now, if anybody asks you, your name is you ain't no queen, okay? Because that means somebody got to crown you. You don't just pick up your own crown. Y'all crazy. <laughs> and you don't dub yourself queen. <laughs> oh boy. Let me see. I don't even go there. Second Corinthians 4, 7 tells us, but we have this treasure. That's who you are. Your treasure. I'd rather be treasured than a queen because somebody can take that crown off whenever they feel like it. Huh? <laughs> we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So God packages treasure, you and me, in an earth suit. And people look at you and you look normal, you look every day, you look human, you look, you even act human. <laughs> Sometimes too much so. Amen. You have a you have a life, you have a family, you have bills to pay, you got all this kind of stuff. But then inside of you there is this treasure. Now I think the treasure is the real you. The suit you live in is is just packaging, amen, for the treasure. And so God places a treasure inside of you. There is a, uh, I'll read you another scripture because this is how God confounds people. I hope this is the right one. I didn't look them up yet. Second Timothy 2 and verse, yeah, verse 20. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth. Earth, that's us. And some to honor and some to dishonor. So we kind of start out in the lowliest of packaging. That's dirt. Amen. Clay, if you want to, after you spit on it, become clay. Amen. That makes you feel better. And, uh, and so God molds us. And, and this, is, this is the reason that God wants us to understand our makeup. But the vessel is, is that holds the treasure is not really who we are. And so as, as God then begins to develop us, more of the earth falls off. And what's inside kind of emanates out. So you're richer on the inside than you are on the outside. Huh? Uh, the outer will change with time. You know, over the years, all vessels kind of wear out a little bit. Ain't as quick to jump up off the chair as they used to be. You understand what I'm saying? The time. But it, praise God that the inner continues to develop and the inner continues to get richer and greater and finer, more refined, all of that. So that your latter is greater than at your beginning. You're greater in God now than you were a year ago, two years ago, a couple months ago, even yesterday, some of us. Amen. And so 
the treasure is the real you. The earthen vessel has little to do with anything. Uh, you know, there, there are times where man will favor you for certain things, certain attributes, and there are times when you get favored. You know, your crowd will always be uh, the, the people of God. Them's your peeps. Amen. And and how you're valued by God's kingdom is of the utmost importance. And so the the earthen vessel part of it tends to get less and less important as as time wears on and as as you mature in God, as you understand what God's doing, uh, there's less emphasis on the outer, more emphasis on the inner. The Bible says the outer man perishes, but the inner man is being renewed every single day. And so you can always get refreshed and renewed in God by the inner man. And that's what God's really developing. That's what the testing is all about. When that word that God speaks over your life really begins to test you, he is testing you for the integrity of the inner man and not so much for the outer man. The outer man will kind of go along with the program of the inner man, always does. So your outer man, like when when you're young, everybody, you know, is looking at the outer and, and all that, and that's all cool. But as years go by, everybody matures, and we realize that the inner is where the great treasure really really is and so that's what God's doing in the testings let me see I'm going to try this let me go to Romans 9 21 that was another scripture I was given let me see so I make sure I got the essence of the meaning correct here okay and, and uh, in verse uh, 9 21 in Romans it says has not the potter the power over clay to make the same lump of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another to dishonor. What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? So there are some people who are destined to to be destroyed. I mean they're not going to accept Christ or not but we got to offer anyway don't ever make that judgment in advance because that's not something that we know that's why God says to preach the gospel to every creature and so you know I like how people when somebody dies they're all angels all of a sudden everybody goes to heaven no matter what kind of life they live just let them people alone you know what I'm saying because you don't know where they are either and so but but people make that assumption erroneously because some people come into this world and they just cause hell for people from one day to the next and it never changes and so we we have to understand that God has his purpose says he created the waster to destroy amen he has a purpose in everything that he does so we're not God we can't figure that out all we can do is submit to his rule and go along with the program and bless God and hope our life turns out well so amen but there are our people here so so the outer is slated for either goodness or destruction but the inner man can always be saved. Amen. The inner man can always be saved. So God requires testing so that we will come up to his standard of obedience. The test is always a test of whether you will obey God no matter what. Amen. 
And and I would say learn how to obey him in joy. Because you can enjoy the what what we have in our lives sometimes is hell, something we describe it all kind of different ways, disappointment, discouragement, whatever it is. Um, you can can do more than survive these things. You can enjoy them and you can at least have peace about you uh, as you go through the testing of the Lord. And so the word that's over your life has to do certain things to you to carve you into submission so that you are fit to carry that word throughout its life in your life. Amen. So there are some things that God is crafting us to do so that we're fit to carry his word uh, at different times in our life and fit to, to act out the word and, and do your do the role that he's called you to do complete it. So Joseph was really called to do a whole lot more than have his family bow to him as sheaves of wheat. The wheat was definitely going to play a part in that because it would have to do with uh, the famine that was coming. And so really when you think about it, if Joseph has carried this word on the inside of him for all this time, when, when the famine comes up, I think he starts to get a little more clarity about his role and what he's called to do. I believe it. Because these the, God doesn't put stuff in there. What's wheat? Why you put that in there? It's not stupid to put it in there. It's a good idea to put it in there because somehow it's going to register with Joseph at the right time what this really is all about. And see, that's important because Joseph is going to have to see himself administrator over all the food in this entire nation for seven years so if he doesn't have something in his memory bank from God to let him know that he's the person to do that he might have just told Pharaoh oh no not me you know oh please you know just a lowly guy with a chain around my neck and around my feet wanting to get out real bad but not this bad because, you know, if you get in, you get employed by certain people. Now, he's already been employed by a very prominent man. And he saw what happened to him. So he ain't like real anxious to, he's one out of jail. You got me? And so sometimes this is, this is our life. We just want, God just give me, nope, don't, I, you don't have to, nope, don't. Because your girl don't need all that. I'd love to add it, but I know what them things, you know. And so in order for us to accept the whole package of what God has for us, he has to have something in there somewhere to, that registers with us. And so that when, when he, Joseph gets this dream and he realizes he can interpret it, then it all comes together for him. So I'm telling you, there will be a day when if God's spoken a word to you, it will all come together for you. Amen? It will all, it, it will make sense where the, where the fragments that we've had in the past, like he gets a dream when he's a kid and then the dream comes twice, that becomes significant to him down the road. It's not significant when the dream comes the first time. Because it's, it, he doesn't have any experience. With God. He knows his dad. And sometimes, you know, knowing parents can, can hinder you from knowing God well. You know, they can be so big in your life, you can go through them to get everything from God. God's back there somewhere, but right now it's mom and daddy doing all the praying. You understand what I'm saying? And so Joseph had to get to the place where daddy got out of the way, 
brothers got out of the way. Everybody got out of the way so he could get to know God himself. And if it has to happen in the jerk, it's just going to have to happen in the jerk. God would do this, huh? <laughs> did you read that? We just read where he did it. Well, you don't have to go to prison at all. <laughs> if you ain't free anyway, what does it matter if you're in a cell or where you at? Everybody always want to get everybody free. For what? Huh? Check in with God and see what plan he has for him. We talking about spiritual development here, folks. He said, I would rather, uh, you know, what does it, what good does it do if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? You know, I mean, come on now. So, anyway, well, you didn't like that, but maybe there's something else coming that you might like. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> so, we're being tested to become vessels of honor. Amen. God wants you to be a vessel of honor. Whenever you serve God, you have a call of God or plan of God in your life. Amen. You are called to honor. The word of God cannot come to flesh and blood. So it's not for your flesh to receive it and enjoy it. In fact, it will crucify your flesh. Anything that God has for you will require restraint in your life to the degree that God is able to develop you by your spirit. So you won't have the free free play of everything you want to do and everywhere you want to go and all kinds of people you want to contact with. He will choose your friends for you. And he will keep some people away from you. He will put some people in your life. They will come into your life when you used to want that real bad and now you say, yeah, that's the best time for you to receive it. It won't make you nuts. So when it will come to you spiritually. See, this, these The promise of God must come to you spiritually. When it is a spiritual occurrence, it must come by process. You must be processed into receiving what God has for you. There's always a kingdom process to the inheritance that we are given. All things are freely given to us but by inheritance. Not, you know, in a windfall. We inherit through a maturing process. Through a maturing process. The word tests us to see if we will allow the maturing process to take place. Are you going to stand still? Are you going to sit still? Or do we have to restrain you? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So there is a Holy Spirit restraint in our lives when God is developing us in things. Trust me, Joseph, he he was a kid when he went into prison, but he was very mature when he got out. How do we know that? Because he handled perfectly everything that was in that dream for him. So he passed the maturity test. Until you pass that test, God will not release the promise into your life. Amen? He, he, he's not. See, when we beg, whine, get tired, want to quit, all that, 
he really doesn't pay any attention to that because he knows that's going to happen. We're trying to manipulate our way out of a testing by begging, whining, crying, and getting tired and threatening to quit and all this kind of stuff. When God knows that's going to happen and he lets us, you know, just express that, get it out your system, so to speak, and then stay right where you are. You got me? Because we're going to deal with this so that we can get you to the place where you are. I see people say things like, well, pastors, yeah, pray for pastors. They need to pray for themselves. Because God will send you people to raise people up for you to pray for you. But this is a relationship of sowing into somebody's life and, and then reaping the benefits of, of them being recipients of what you sow. And so if you're smart, God gives you a plan for how to take care of your entire being through the flock that he gives you. If you need somebody on, on the mature side, he'll, he'll raise up other ministers to, to be friends with you, not to try and lord it all over. You've got to be careful about how you relate to people. But, but I see people, oh, you know, they're just in such bad shape. I said, seriously? They need to sit down. Because if you want to quit because you don't have enough people, your church ain't big enough, they ain't paying you enough money, whatever, you need to sit down. Good riddance, goodbye. You got me? Because we don't need wimps like that. We need people who are leaders, who know how to lead people, because it's hell out there. You see what we saw yesterday? That was the tip of the iceberg of the whole show that's out there. Now, if you ain't going to toughen up and, and let God develop you and get to where you can be some use to him, go sit down. Amen. Praying for you to stay around nothing. Amen. I'm serious. Amen. You're just taking up Amen. stuff that people who are really working for God could be using. Yes. You understand me? So I don't care about all that nonsense. If you don't know how to sit up and do your own warfare and pray and get yourself out of a jam and get yourself out of wanting to quit and all that. I haven't wanted to quit in over 30 years. You understand me? I will not quit. Quit and do what? Huh? What's out there to do? I would look terrible on crack. I can tell you right now. I ain't never seen nobody who looks good on it. You understand what I'm saying? You know, getting out there and all that stuff. These people do not want testing. They want the blessing before the testing. They don't want to earn anything. They want to sit up there and wish they had what they see them TV preachers have. If you saw their headaches, if you saw their mailing list trying to get enough money in there to stay on TV, you'd shoot your brains out. Sit up and wish for something somebody else has. What do you think ministry is? This ain't no show. Huh? So these are people who want to be leaders, but they refuse to mature into leaders. Huh? From the pit to the palace in one day. Are you serious? You really think one day is going to do it? I can endure anything for one day. Huh? Most of us could. Longer. <laughs> we. So we inherit through a maturing process. The word tests us to see if we will allow the maturing process to take place. 
Will you let God promise you something long enough so that when it comes, you're not really, really moved by it? Your flesh is not moved. You know the difference. You value it. You treasure it. You hold it in high esteem. You see it as the blessing of God. You see all of that. Amen. So Joseph was mature when he exited that prison. Some of the things that he endured. He endured false accusation. You know if we had a sex offenders list back then he'd have been on it, right? I mean, think about it. Huh? Going through life with that record. Where do you go to get a job? Where do you, you understand what I'm saying? False imprisonment for false charges. Huh? He was found guilty and thrown into prison. Could have been executed, but his life was spared. Loss of dignity goes without saying. Stripped of his administrative job in Potiphar's house. It was rumored that he, he made sexual advances to his boss's wife. So he lost his job, unemployed, broke, loss of status. He was at one time an administrator in his household and very trustworthy. And he lost all of that and went to jail. This word of prophecy over his life put him there. That's, that's for people like to run up and get in the line and get another word. Oh. <laughs> It put him, and it's put him on trial just as God's word puts us on trial. You want the blessing? It's going to cost you. Amen? One of the things that, that God tested me on early in ministry was compromise. Are you going to compromise to get ahead, or are you going to be who I called you to be? And, and so, It's easy to just do things, be passive, fall in line, don't make waves. Uh, You call it love, but it's not. It's fear, fear of man. I flunked a test once. God was testing me to see if I would, would minister to the pastor's dad had had a stroke. And they brought him up to the front of the church to pray for him and as we were praying for him I really felt to get him up out of the chair I felt like he was really wanting to come up out of that chair and I didn't do it got me fear of man and I've never done it again either you got me them things you don't do them things twice so you can be tested and flunk and get a redo But not two. I wouldn't press it and try to get two. You understand what I'm saying? You take your redo, repent, and you know, it took me a long time to feel good about, you know what I'm saying, disappointing God and and somebody that really wanted to be healed and you know, it's, it's a mess. Your head will be in a mess. You start doing that kind of stuff. So don't compromise. Understand what the test is about. Learn how to go through, um, you know, with honors. This is where you want your your A, you know, saying your honors. <laughs> I used to look. I say, you know, it'd be nothing for me to take that A and make an H out of it. Give me some white out. 
<laughs> or that G and <laughs> whatever they give. Huh? But um, you want to pass these. You don't want to keep redoing. Because he'll make you redo. You're not going anywhere until you get it right. And so God, God wants so much for us to get it right. He's not looking at. And it took me a while to understand the power of the blood to erase memory of past failure. You understand what I'm saying? So that it doesn't trigger uh, a, a negative reaction response in your mind and all that kind of stuff. So it, it will, you'll find out some things that, that are worth finding out. But always be quick to obey God. You know, don't, don't put that off and don't look at, you know, people's faces. That was one of the scriptures he gave me early in, in ministry was uh, don't look at their faces. And so I said, <laughs> yeah, you're right, God, because there's something out there. You know, I mean, sometimes you go, whoa, don't look. You know, and see, and, and that's, that's a good word for prophets, period, because people can manipulate you. Devils can manipulate you with facial expressions, looks. People look puzzled, and then you get puzzled and just slap yourself, get yourself back together and, and that. And so it's a good good measure because that's how really people with familiar spirits operate. They depend on facial expressions to know what to say and how to get people's confidence and all that so you can give them some more money the next time you see them, you know, that kind of stuff. So so we have to be careful. That's somehow that that's a way to separate out your gift from the world and from the dark side so that God can always use your gift. So so the word of prophecy over his life put him on trial. What's God told you about yourself? What's what does he see in you that's of value, major value to his kingdom? That word will will have to be refined in you so that God can max out on what he's put in you. See, we're all gifts to humanity. You don't belong to yourself and you're not just to your family. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's, that's good, but that's not all that there is to you. We are gifts to, to the world, and if we can allow God refining us and, and let that take place, then we can step into our rightful place, be successful, and God can get as much out of his investment in us as he desires to get. That's what he's trying to get. He's trying to get some bang for his buck. Amen. The buck is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He wants some bang for that buck, folks. You understand me? He's not saved you so that you can sit on a pew until the sweet by and by. He saved you so that he can get something, work his character in you, work some power into you, work wisdom and understanding and all the things that will nurture a gift so that it it hits the earth with an impact that maxes out what's in you. That's what he wants to do. He wants you to make an impact, but you're not going to make an impact if you're fighting everything he wants to do in your life. Huh? And you always got your own ideas. He don't need your ideas. He needs your cooperation. Huh? He needs your obedience. Huh? Ideas come and go. I mean, in this day and age, they come and go so quickly. You know, software is always out of date. Huh? Can't use your phone. Software update. Who asked you? I like my old stuff. Uh, you can't even like your old stuff. You got you to gotta take it. 
Uh And so God wants us to let him refine us. Just be obedient to whatever it is he puts in your life. There are lots of things that God tests us on to see how we're going to make it through on that. And if we'll still come out holding on to his hand. Amen. He walks through it with you. You're not by yourself. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. You're not alone. You know, he's not, oh, God doesn't understand. Well, I do it when I get there. Waiting on you. God will give that opportunity to somebody else. Certain things in his kingdom cannot wait. He can't put it on hold for you. Amen. He's moving right along. So, <clears throat> we, uh, will we trust God to bring it to pass or do we try to get it hastily in our own lust? Because we want stuff. You know, there are people who are very powerful in, in the natural. Very persuasive. Um, you know, gifted. And those gifts will work in your flesh. But they won't work to his glory that way. So it's up to you to make a value assessment of you, of your gift. You want it to work in his kingdom or you want it to work and burn out in this one. Because you, you start working against the frustrating grace of God in your life and you'll be tired all the time. You'll be sick all the time. You can't get up. You can't do this. You gotta, well, we just have to make an adjustment here. Huh? Because you're frustrating the grace of God. You can't fight against God and win. Huh? People see that every day. You got all these people out here, entertainers, all kinds of, everybody's a celebrity all of a sudden. You ever notice that? You can be celebrity out of anything nowadays. And so, and they make all this money because they're out in public. And then, you know, five years down the road, they're back at Burger King, flipping, you know, where they started out at. Huh? You ever notice where all them rappers are that used to be so hot, like in the hip hop, the hibbity bop, 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 Huh? What is that gang, some gang? Go find it, Tanya. Thank you very much. Sugar Hill. Where's Sugar Hill now, huh? Ice, ice, baby. He, he flipping houses. He got him a real job. Huh? Stuff don't last. Huh? And they still trying to hold on to that celebrity. See, that stuff will kill you. Huh? Don't last. So you want to get in a, into a gig that lasts. <laughs> you better start working with God. Don't get in there and start telling him you're going to do this, you're going to do that, and put him on hold. Put him on the back burner. Amen? Don't get involved in that, folks, please. Always, whatever he has, drop what you're doing and do what he tells you to do. Amen. I know it's going to be hard for some of y'all. See, that's what's going to try some people. Huh? Make you want to scream, pull your hair out, whatever, when you have to do what God tells you to do first. Because you don't have any, because nothing else is working for you. You understand what I'm saying? You're going to have to do. It's a good place. It's not a punishment. Don't get squirrely on me. It's a good place to be. Amen. Because you'll see that his word's true. A lot of us don't believe it. We don't believe that. That's for them other people over there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Not for me. Uh-huh. We go throw our holy oil at him. Our cross. Won't come nigh my dwelling. 
time. It's going to knock on your door. Trust me. You're blood bought. The test will knock on your door. Amen. It's a good thing. God's preserving your life. He's keeping you healthy. He's keeping you strong. Keeping you sane. Keeping you full of peace. Amen. So. Sometimes we want a promise before it has really tried us because we want the waiting to be over. It's not so much you desire what God has for you, but you just want it to be over with. So I'm done waiting. So I'm done this and I'm done that and I'm done the other. You know, you, it's, it's a, I can remember praying for my husbands to make a commitment to the Lord and, and to really know God and all that kind of stuff and I was done with him so many times you understand what I'm saying it's like and then one day I realized I said God you know I got a feeling that I'm not acting right every time (laughs) every time he acts up I get the feeling that I'm the one that ain't acting right I feel like a hockey puck you know just boom 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 Pointing a finger at him and never look at myself. And then one day it dawned on me, he wasn't being tested. Because as far as God's concerned, he's saved already. I'm the one huh, who's in the stir fry. And so when God got finished with me, I just came to the realization one day. I said, God, this is your show. Wake me up when it's over. You understand what I'm saying? Just call me when he's done. But I'm sick of watching his every move and trying to figure out when it's going to be. Is it going to be today? Huh? And the Lord showed me one time. He said, you don't even know what salvation is. He said, because you're still working on working out your own with fear and trembling. Supposed to be. Huh? Keep your nose in your own business, girl. The Bible says salvation belongs to the Lord, not us. You can cooperate You can go along for the ride or you can go kicking and screaming, but he's going to do what he wants to do. But in process, he does allow loved ones to participate and then we're changed in the process. We should be changed. As they change, we should be changed. Amen. Not sitting there judging anymore, but allowing God to have his way in that person's life. Amen. And to bring them to him. That's what you want. They get to know him. Amen. There is no blessing without testing. So there is a time sensitivity to all events in this process. In Joseph's life, there was a time for him to be set free according to events in Egypt. Now, he, he had the dream in his own home country. He didn't know it was going to come to pass in, another, in a foreign country. And see, this is what we don't know about the things that God calls us to do. We just get enough to keep us from getting too nosy. See, in a prophecy, there's, there's something that draws you to, to it because it, there's, there's a blessing in it for you and you sense that. But then there's also a fear there because you don't know when it's going to happen. The circumstances of it happening, you don't know any of the minor details in there. And so it's the work of God to bring you to that place where that reality of it is released in your life. Where where you know what God wants you to do. You know your place there. You know all of the fine details. That will be revealed to you. 
But until then, that word is doing a work in you to get you acclimated to the role that you're going to play, get you acclimated to the uh, position that God has for you in that. It, it's acclimating you to getting you comfortable in that vision or that picture that he showed you you in so he wants you to do that like when he told me i was called to ministry i was i just i stayed awake for like three days i didn't even know where i was and because it was such a shock to me because i'd been a, a nutcase for five years you take somebody out of a mental hospital and you tell them one day God's going to use you and you're going to do this and that. You're going to speak to people and you're going to break the word open. You're going to do this. Huh? Huh? And so it, it just, I, I remember walking in the park for like three hours. Just reading it over and over again and thinking to myself, I said, God, I don't even know how you could even do something like this. I said, you know where I've been? He said, yeah, I was right there with you. You got me? And and so these these things you have to understand these are important folks your job that brings you money that is so unimportant in your life if you only knew that is so unimportant that's not who you are that isn't anybody could do that if it's a job somebody else had before you it ain't special anybody can do that job I don't care how much notoriety it brings to you, money, whatever it is, anybody can do that. But what God's called you to do, only you can do. You got me? Only you can do. So we have to see ourselves uniquely like that, or we'll miss it. We won't think testing's important. We'll just want to skip over it, you know, like you do in high school. You figure out at the beginning of the semester how many days sick you can call in, how many test you can miss you know I'm in the honor society I can miss 17 days and 15 tests and I can still get my B plus <laughs> you understand what I'm saying that's how you live life you see these kids nowadays they are so smart you know they figure it out way before like I took me high school to figure stuff out but kids in, in middle school can figure that out Oh, I don't have to come. I guess they give us a retest and all. God won't let you do that. See, that's that's worldly stuff. The stuff He has for us to do is excellence things. Amen. You don't skip a test. You don't don't try to figure out how to get over with God so you don't have to do as much as He requires so you can still live. You understand what I'm saying? So you won't get this without passing God's exam. Amen. So there was a time that came for uh, Joseph to be set free according to events out of his control. You play a role in a situation and the events are totally out of your control. God sent a famine to judge Egypt, but he also sent Joseph who represents mercy. Amen. So when you're a vessel who represents mercy, you will be tried so that only mercy and goodness are left on the inside of you. You're not going to be no hater. You're not going to hate no brother. You ain't going to wish you could get it back. In fact, Joseph, poor Joseph. <laughs> you know, I mean, them Egyptians put all that makeup on you and stuff like that. and His mascara was running. He wanted to be mean to his brothers a couple times. Because he wasn't. Send them back. Say, I want to see your little brother. Don't come back here without him. Yeah, set him up. They... Caught him on the road for burglary and all this kind of stuff. 
And then when they came and stood before me, just <laughs> had to go back behind the curtains and all this crazy stuff. He wanted to be mean. There was no mean left in Joseph when he got in charge of that place. And there's not going to be no mean left in any of us when God ascends us to where we need to be. You're not going to be hating people. You're not going to be trying to get back at everybody and prove to people, I got something to show my haters. You ain't got nothing. That's why they don't like you. So Joseph represents mercy. The Egyptians worshipped false gods, so they had to be judged by that for their idolatry and their iniquity. But in wrath, God remembered mercy. He decided not to destroy everybody from the face of the earth again. Joseph's release from prison fulfilled prophecy that he would be a ruler. Rulers are not made overnight. Leaders are not made overnight. They are made by a process. Time must be given to the process. That's what we're spending most of our time in as believers is process. Or the vessel will be a vessel of dishonor. You'll do something, you'll flip out, you'll lose everything, you'll embarrass yourself. God ordains only success for us. That's why we have trials. You won't get to success without a trial. If he ordained failure, failure okay with God, you you know, you can do anything. But he only accepts, his way is excellent, so he only accepts success. When you think about it, the blessing phase always outlasts the trial phase. Because you live in the blessing forever. The trial, that's why Paul called it a light affliction. He said it couldn't be compared to the glory that would be revealed in us. So it's a light affliction. So don't even try to compare. Just keep your eyes focused on the prize. Keep your eyes focused on what's ahead of you. Keep your eyes focused on what God's doing. And thank him for that. God, I thank you for choosing me to be a vessel of honor. Thank you, Lord, for elevating my life, giving me meaning, giving me purpose and substance and hope, all of that kind of stuff. A gift manifestation will not stop the test. So you can, you know, in, in, you know, there are many of us who are gifted people. You know, sometimes you think that you can uh, um, uh, gift your way out. You know, God's using me so and so and so and so. That'll stop the test. Are you kidding me? He's using you so you won't feel useless. That's helping you. Huh? He's doing that for you. When Joseph was in prison, he got a chance to interpret the dreams of the baker and the steward, chief steward or something like that. And he thought the test would stop with the administration of that gift again in his life. Remember? He said, oh yeah, by the way, boys, when you get up there around Pharaoh, drop my name. Huh? One of them lost his life and the other one got lost. He didn't want to drop nothing in front of Pharaoh no more. You understand what I'm saying? So, I mean, come on, getting getting recommendations for people who are on death row. Come on, folks, that's pretty desperate. But God had a higher purpose for Joseph. It was, I think, another two years he had to prolong his testing. But see, gifts come back to us so that we know that God's still with us and we're useful. I know I felt like that from time to time. 
God, if you're just still using me, you know, you think you'd have messed up for the umpteenth time in God and he's even forgotten about it. He never remembered it the first time. So, so we have to allow these purposes of God to be fulfilled, folks. A gift can wreck you if it's not, if it's not administered properly. Or it will, it will cause loss to many if it's never utilized in God. And so you want to be that person that, that understands that there are some things that, that have to be developed in us before we can step into the full manifestation of what God wants to do. But I'm telling you, when you step into it, it's glorious. Amen. It's worth it. Very much worth it. I'm looking to step into more. I don't know about you. And I don't care about the test. You understand what I'm saying? We get tested anyway. Whether you like it or not, it has nothing to do with whether or not that test comes to you. It comes to everybody. And God don't care if you don't like it. Huh? you doing it anyway. Don't you like that? <laughs> Amen. So God is going to do these things, folks, for his glory and your benefit. You're going to love the life God has for you. You start living it the way he wants you to. And he'll get a blessing out of it. Amen. All right. We'll stop. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. We thank you for the goodness of God.